dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. We all know the temptation to glory, power, and fame. We all know the power of its allure and how desirable it seems to be. So what's the downside? If, in fact, we don't live as soldiers of Christ and as followers of the King of Kings, but become tyrants ourselves, benefiting ourselves at the expense of our flock, what's the downside? What could possibly go wrong? Listen in to my commentary on chapters 10 and 11 of Thomas Aquinas' De Regno. Hi, everybody. Once again, let's go ahead and start, as we always do, with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear God, we gather this day to ask you for your blessing. We are here to go deeper in our leadership and in our understanding of your great call for us. Take away our fear. Meet our uncertainty with your strength. And give us your blessing as we serve you and lead those whom you have entrusted to us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, we've gotten all the way to chapters 10 and 11 here of Aquinas' De Regno, which is a letter he wrote to the king of Cyprus way back 800 years ago. And it's all about being a king. And I know a lot of people say, well, I'm not a king. And I'm like, well, it applies to all in leadership. Certainly there are some aspects of this which do not directly apply to leadership because it's specifically for those in charge of a political reality, etc. But, the, you know, when it comes to our businesses and our families, almost all of this is completely applicable, especially today. Uh, when I'm looking at this lesson from chapters 10 and 11, oh my goodness, there's so much here that can really help us because the fact is, for Aquinas, being a king means being entrusted with a common good. In other words, something common. It means something that's shared, a communal good, a good that other people have as well as you. So when you've been given something that is not yours, but that has been entrusted to you to flourish for the sake of everybody else who shares in it as well. This is the role of a political leader. This is the role of a, a king. This is the role of a, of a business leader. You know, we think about how nice oftentimes our businesses are or even the amount of money that we have to spend just to keep the businesses going. It's astounding. Right? You, you have to buy new furniture. You buy Sometimes your businesses are nicer than your own homes. 
and your businesses stay clean because you have a cleaning service, you know, et cetera. And, you know, it's very pleasant to be in companies that are, 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 are well taken care of and well run, right? Because, well, that it's just, it's a whole different level. The expense of doing business is just a whole different level of expenses than what you have as an individual. And so when you've been entrusted that on the other side, the downside to that is that it only lasts as long as your position. <laughs> and the day comes when that ejection seat gets hit, the ejection button gets hit, and then all you have is what you have in your private life. Like, because you can't take the business with you. It doesn't belong to you. You're a part of a company. You're a part of something, right, that doesn't belong to you, but that benefits you. And if you're in charge of a company or in charge of a business to a certain degree, you, your job is even more so to keep that portion of whatever you, you are in charge of for the sake of everyone else who's underneath you. You lead, right? You lead from the front. And this has its own, therefore, challenges. And Thomas says that a king will be someone who takes that common good and uses it for the flourishing of the people who are underneath them. And that requires justice where you have to perhaps punish or regulate or, you know, uh, put, the, put your foot down in various areas because you have to defend that common good, sometimes even from the, its own members, right? We are our own worst enemies sometimes. And we can, if we don't have a good leader who defends the common good, the members who share in it for want of leadership will end up destroying the good thing that they have. You know, so it's like people who live in a city who would then d destroy the businesses in that city. It doesn't make any sense at all. But, it, you know, that's exactly the because of a want of leadership that people, the citizenry of places can actually be given full permission to destroy the very places that they live in, which only did reducing the quality of their life. But it, and that, that's a want for leadership. But at the same time, the main goal of the leader isn't just to defend the common good, it's to promote it. To look for how whatever the people share in common on your team or in your business or in your shared enterprise, your family, how what you have together can actually help each one to flourish. And, and there, there's a, uh, an educational uh, uh, part of leadership where you help the child, for example, each child to grow and flourish based upon their, what they have to share in the family. And that takes energy and effort and mercy and teaching. And then the same way, it also is a matter of looking for how you can, by advancing and lifting up what you all share to a higher level, actually redound to help each of the individual members. So that, that's what makes a king. And for Aquinas, a king is someone who does that and a tyrant is someone who takes what is in common and then uses it for their own advantage. So a king will always be benefited by, the, by what he does or what she does, right? A, a, a leader will always be benefited by, by leading a good and successful enterprise. But if, if the intention of the leader is to do it to their benefit and the detriment of those who follow underneath them, such that they almost enslave those who are underneath them into the system for their maximal benefit, there, he says, is actually a question of tyranny. A tyrant and a king, they're divided and distinguished based upon the selflessness or the selfishness 
with which they use their position. And Aquinas goes on and speaks about the incredible rewards that befit uh, the position of a leader. He says, you know, if you're a leader, you're, you're doing the act of God himself. As God governs the world, so you govern the team over which you have authority. And so therefore you deserve to be, you know, to, to receive the reward, not only of that incredible sacrifice and act of virtue that you have, but also a, a special blessing by God in a, in a redounding glory in heaven. And he quotes scriptures that speak to that. So there is a higher reward for leadership. Well, then you could say, what's the downside? I mean, if I become a tyrant, how could that actually be bad? So if you reward it for being a king, good, good on you. The problem is that oftentimes kingship's reward is a spiritual one. And we're tempted all the time to go back against what is spiritually fruitful, kind of a long-term, long-range reward, and to favor ourselves just with what we can take from, from the people that follow us and take advantage of our positions. And, you know, we think about that concretely. What does that look like? Of course, that looks like money. That looks like theft. That looks like greed. That looks like, you know, raising your salary in the middle of a pandemic. Those type of things. But I think for most of us, it really is, is focusing us in, uh, we need to focus in a lot more on how we look for advantage with respect to reputation, with respect to appearances on the outside, social status, and even how well we think we measure up compared to everybody else that we think we're supposed to be. Almost like a selfishness of life that allows us to stop leading from the front by self-sacrifice and instead that we, where we benefit ourselves by selfishness. This choice that we have to follow Christ in leadership, in other words, will always cost us something. It will cost us a lot of the deprivation of sensual things. And that doesn't, that doesn't just mean, you know, that we, we live in a certain type of austerity. No, you could live in a certain type of luxury even. But there will always be a kind of mortification that follows upon true leadership because you're called to put the people who follow you first. Be that your husband, be that your child, be that the team members on your, in your business, be that your employees. It's, it's always going to cost you something. And so we have to make that decision fundamentally. Will I be a tyrant? Will I be the one who uses that advantage for myself? Or will I be a true king or a queen and use the advantage that I have to benefit the world around me? What advantage could there be to truly serving as the queen or the king, the type of leader that Aquinas describes here, when it seems like I could lose so much else. This is really the question he takes up because he flips it on its head here and he shows that what we think is actual gain through tyranny becomes, in fact, what we lose thereby. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org and subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. Okay, so we're looking here at chapters 9, 10, and 11 here of De Regno by Aquinas. And 
I love what he does here because I think a lot of us are, we, we're at this point in our lives where we look around and we say, you know, we've been good for so long, you know, uh, but it just, it always seems to get harder. The older that you get, the more that reputation plays a role in determining your decisions. Well, I shouldn't say older, but especially in your middle age uh, status. As we all get then, you know, to, to the end of our lives, reputation plays a little bit less of a role and we all, all look more and more towards our families. But as you gain power in the world and you finally get yourself in a status position, you need to earn a certain amount in order to make yourself uh, able to have the retirement that you long for. Your company has gone through the startup phase and it's now successful and you're looking to maximize it so that you can turn around and live the type of life that you want to live, et cetera, right? We, we come to this middle phase of our lives where we, we are reaping the fruit of all the labor that went before it. And so there's a temptation for us to turn our backs on what God is really calling us to in our leadership and to start to instead gratiate ourselves. And we would never say that, right? Like I, I've all my journeys around as a priest, I don't meet people who say I'm gratiating myself, but like it still happens. And if we're not careful, we can actually lose the things that we gained through the self-sacrifice of what made us great to begin with. It all consists in staying true to your core, my friends, staying true to that heart that put you in the leadership position to begin with. You followed Christ and you followed Christ by deploying your greatness for the good of others. And yes, you made a living thereby. God bless you. But at the same time, that's, that's, you were motivated by something deeper than just making a living. You were motivated by something deeper than having a super nice house and super perfect dogs <laughs> and cars that are just the, like, the latest things. You know, how wonderful for someone to be able to say, yes, I have that, but it, it doesn't have me. I have those things, but like, that's not what I'm doing this for. If you're not willing or able to lose all that you've gained at a material level, then you've lost something much more profound, which is called the spiritual freedom of heart. Spiritual freedom of heart is what allows you to stay in the leadership position and to continue to lead even when you finally have a lot on the sensible level. So you can gain riches, you can gain esteem, you can gain reputation in the, in the eyes of others, you can gain admiration and win awards. And if you're not careful, you'll rest on your laurels. And what happens then is subtly, without us really thinking of it or even being aware that we're doing it, we turn around and lose our, our edge, that thing that drives us forward in selflessness we lose that love with which we dedicated ourselves to Christ Jesus, the Lord, and to the service of our fellow human beings. And, and we trade it in instead for going and trying to curate all of the good things that we have, our reputation, our status, our appearances, our possessions. And it's, it's not because we're evil. It's just part of humanity. But we have to be on guard against it. What do we have to lose? 
Well, Aquinas says, the moment that you lose that kingly quality of, self, of self-sacrifice for your subjects and instead become a tyrant using your advantage for yourself, he says, the moment you do that, you lose the very things that you gain. First thing that you lose, an incredible meditation here. He says, well, everybody, rich and poor, wants to have friends. Everybody. He puts it beautifully in paragraph 77. He says, first of all, among all worldly things, there is nothing which seems worthy to be preferred to friendship. Friendship unites good men and preserves and promotes virtue. Friendship is needed by all men, whatsoever occupations they engage. In prosperity, it does not thrust itself unwanted upon us, nor does it desert us in adversity. It is what brings with it the greatest delight to such an extent that all that pleases is changed to weariness when friends are absent and all difficult things are made easy and as nothing by love. There is no tyrant so cruel that friendship does not bring him pleasure. Isn't that amazing? There is no tyrant so cruel that friendship does not bring him pleasure. It's the one thing that we all want good and bad alike. No one wants to live alone. And how wonderful to be able to have a kind of benevolence, uh, a kind of friendship. It's not the same, but have a type of love between you and the people that you work with. Would you really want to be alone at the top? Would you really want to be detested and despised by the people underneath you? No, all of us want to be friends. But the moment you become a tyrant is the moment in in that, you know, not in an absolute sense of like a political tyrant, but the moment you stop serving your people and take gain thereby is the moment you lose that very thing that you want more than anything else. It's the ultimate of ironies. He says it this way. He says, now all friendship is concluded upon the basis of something common, something shared among those who are to be friends. For we see that those who are united in friendship have in common either their natural origin or similarity in habits of life or any kind of social interests. Consequently, there can be little or no friendship between tyrants and their subjects. When the latter are oppressed by tyrannical injustice and feel they are not loved but despised, they certainly do not conceive any love for it is too great a virtue, etc., Right? So think about this with your children. All of us want happy kids. What's the secret to happy kids? Loving them. Not just the way, giving love how you think, but do they know that they're loved by you? Have they received your love? Is love part of their life? If it is, then they will love you back. And that beautiful, like, dance there that happens, it's the most precious of things. It's worth more than your cars, than your boats, than your fishing gear. It's worth more than traveling around the world. If you've got kids who love you, then you have a priceless treasure. Why would you try to trade that in? Well, it would happen. It would happen by tyranny. When in fact, you just become instead of the selfless father, the selfless mother, well, instead you, you start to trade it in for yourselves. Beware of that. And even more, I think, What an awesome opportunity for me to remind you that you are great in the world as a training ground and as practice for the greatness that you exhibit at home. 
If you could take all that you put forward in the office every single day and labor to make the society advance and labor in order to make your organizations run well, and you could apply that same dynamic, that same strength, that innovation, that patience towards your family, man, you know, the, the dividends are spiritual. The peace that comes in your heart, the sense of, of identity inside, a person doesn't need a lot on the outside to make them happy. If on the inside, they have peace. On the contrary, if you don't have peace in who you are and you're hounded by guilt and you feel as if you've traded your life in, and in order for what? For a few more you know, nickels and, and dimes and things that don't matter. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're someone that is to be pitied and to be redeemed and helped, you know, by Christ and his grace. But let's turn to Christ and his grace and find the true secret of happiness, which lies in leading and leading for the good of those who follow us. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. Well, Aquinas goes, goes on and he talks about first, like, you know, as a tyrant, the very first thing that you lose is what you want more than anything else. All of us want friendship and it's the friendship that we lose by being tyrants, uh, hands down. And then he goes on and he says the second thing. He says, you know, all, the reason you'd become a tyrant is because you want stability. You want there to be, you know, uh, uh, a kingdom that runs without you. Right? This is the principle of subsidiarity in Catholicism. It's the idea of that you give more responsibility to as low a level as you can by empowering those who are underneath you. It makes for the sta most stable form of government. Right? He, he talks about Julius Caesar as, I guess, an example of this, that his men were just incredibly dedicated to him. According to Aquinas, he says he loved his soldiers to such an extent that when he heard that some of them had been slaughtered, he refused to cut either hair or beard until he had taken vengeance. In this way, he made his soldiers most loyal to himself as well as most valiant, so that many on being taken prisoner refused to accept their lives when offered them on the condition that they serve against Caesar. So he had loyalty. He had stability. It's just the opposite for a tyrant. You think that you're gaining stability by crushing your people with power, right? You think that, but in fact, you're gaining instability. And this is just what's so evil about big operations, big corporate attitudes when they turn toxic or when money is made as the sole arbiter of advancing. Is that what ends up happening is that you don't really even care because the stability of the organization is built upon money. Well, we all saw what happens when, when the banks fail, right? The, the organizations that are built upon money vanish overnight. And, and even so, you'd say, well, it's still advantageous to be in them. And I'd like to say, is it really? What you've lost thereby is the stability that comes from courage, the stability that comes from fidelity, from faithful service, from dedication, as in what kind of life are you living, you know, for living for 15 years to make your way up the ladder as you quest after more and more power? I talked to a fellow like that one time in the car. I, 
I, I was having a car ride with him and I asked him, you know, what, what are you doing all that you do for? And he said, money. And I said, when, when you have money, what are you going to do with that? He said, I'm going to acquire power. And I said, and when you have power, what are you going to do with that? And he said, I'm going to acquire more money. <laughs> then he started laughing. And I said, okay. So it goes from money to power to money to power to money to power. He said, yeah. And, and that's very tempting for a lot of us. I just want to point out what Aquinas shows you here is that actually that's not very admirable. And he, he goes this way. He says, on the one hand, tyrants cannot rely on the loyalty of their subjects. For such a degree of virtue is not found among the generality of men that they should be restrained by the virtue of fidelity from throwing off their yoke of unmerited servitude. If they are able to do so, nor would it perhaps be a violation of fidelity at all, according to the opinion of many, to frustrate the wickedness of tyrants by any mean whatsoever. It remains that, that the government of a tyrant is maintained by fear alone, fear of losing their job, right? And consequently, they strive with all their might to be feared by their subjects. Fear, however, is a weak support. Those who are kept down by fear will rise against their rulers if the opportunity ever occurs when they can hope to do it with impunity and, when they, and they will rebel against their rulers all the more furiously the more they have been kept in subjection against their will by fear alone. In other words, you're standing on ice, my friends. When you dominate your family, dominate those underneath you by fear, you're standing on thin ice and at any moment it could crack. Aquinas is like, why would you want to stand on thin ice if what you're looking for is stability? Stability based upon money, stability based upon fear is not real stability. It's actually fragility and it feeds itself on tyranny. Uh, the third and last point that Aquinas makes here, he says, the third thing that you all want is fame. But the fact is, everybody makes fun of and ridicules and despises the tyrant when they're dead. The fame lasts a good reputation. It lasts on only for those who are good in their lifetime. And then, in fact, it will be honored. And so it's, you, you end up losing what you thought you would gain. And all of us, we get to this point in our lives, usually it's in the middle part of our lives, where we have to decide who we really are. And Aquinas meets us there and says, O oh leader, you who have engaged in great things, you who have started to dare mightily, do not drop your sword and pick up anything in its stead. You have chosen for yourself the way of holiness through service and through the benefit of others. There is no other way. Everything else that appears to be advantage is in fact loss. Don't stop the fight. Run the race to the end. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.